Chaos. It's hard. In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes. Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you. It's back to life, back to the blockchain. Mm-hmm. We're in season three. This is episode number 42. And that's exactly right, Ray. We're going back to the blockchain. (laughs) So we're going to nerd out a little bit today and share the latest that we've been following in the growing world of blockchain. And we know you've all been hearing a lot about it. So we want to pull up on our perspective on the latest findings, information, debates that are ongoing. So we're excited to dive into it. And we're going to do we're going to do a full survey. Um, we did a pretty decent survey last time we covered blockchain, but now we're going a little bit deeper and we're going to touch on everything. I mean, we've only got 30 minutes, but we're still going to do it anyway. So the first thing we want to throw out there is a disclaimer. This is not financial advice. Um, Never has been, never will be. (laughs) We don't give financial advice, but we have opinions and we love to share them. So uh, what you decide to do with any of this information is on you and we wish you luck. So let's start, um, let's start our survey with the world of decentralized finance. I think this is a, a quick hit for us because it's the concept that has Uh, the best existing kind of example out there in the world today for most people, but not for all people. So let me do a quick rundown on how I see the world of decentralized finance. Today, today you want to get a loan or deposit cash in an account and maybe get a decent interest rate. Let's start with depositing cash. Wouldn't you love to deposit cash in an account and get a decent interest rate while the bank sits on that money. Well, they're not just sitting on it, they're lending it out and they're making money on the interest spread, right? Because the interest you pay on a loan is always higher than the interest you get paid in a checking account. And there's a reason for that, they're related. In the world of decentralized finance, they're trying to attack some of these constraints, but um, they don't even have to attack the constraints directly because just the function of a decentralized finance blockchain gives them the opportunity to do whatever they want. Part of the reason is because none of this is really regulated at all right now. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through it. But just to pull it back to to DeFi, DeFi is decentralized finance for short. And now we have plenty of options. You can go buy a cryptocurrency and let it sit in a crypto exchange, um, or you can do it real fancy dancy and put it on a you know, a physical drive where you own the keys and you find another place to deposit your money for the time being, your crypto, and you get a return. You get an interest rate. Right now, a lot of the interest rates out there, depending on where you park your deposit, um, 5, 12, 20%, I suppose. I don't have a list. We'll have to come up with a list, but there's a lot of other Coindesk and all those other sites out there that cover all that stuff. It changes so fast. We're not in that business. But just know you have an opportunity to do that. Now, when you buy a cryptocurrency, it's not cash. 
um, and it's not guaranteed to retain its value. It's, it's very casino-like. Um, so you have to be careful there. But that's just one really simple example, right? You make a deposit, you get an interest rate. Also the loan piece of it, um, you know, if you have a bunch of cryptocurrency, you can get a loan against that cryptocurrency and you can get it probably for a better rate than you can get a loan from a bank. So those are the real, I would say, consumer facing. Oh, and transfers, right? Um, we don't, we, we haven't seen a good use case yet for uh, payments. Right. Uh, I think the, I think it's the big one, right, Mike, is the, the, the pay, I think what the consumers are missing is that there is this huge industry of payment processing you they've made it so seamless for you um it's become so centralized in so many ways that you really just don't notice um how all of this activity going on is generating boatloads of revenue for the banks right and the banks are lending out your money and getting a much larger return than they're providing you and so that's the idea is that competition at least that's what we think in a in a good capitalism competition is a good thing right so decentralization makes us compete with the banks and, and I, I and i know it's more complex than this but i do imagine a world where if i want to set up my own bank it's going to be much easier due to blockchain technology because the the scaling of the of setting up that contract or that digital contract with individuals will be easier and it'll be more peer driven. So I'm not saying that everyone can go start their bank, but frankly, back in the day before big banks, you would bank with your merchant. You would bank with your pharmacist. You would bank with the local, the grocer folks. We, I think it's a De DeFi to me, Michael, is really that coming back that my grocer is like, yeah, I can trust you. I've got a connection to your digital wallet, right? You're good for it. I like that idea. I, I like how you bring that home to the real world. And it's funny. I love, I always love the historical perspective you bring because I hadn't even thought about it. Can you imagine back in the day, you know, going hand in hat or whatever the phrase is to try and get a loan from JP Morgan, the guy. <laughs> right. And you had the collateral. He I mean, back then, back then you, you didn't, you had collateral. If you walked into, and the banks were very staunchy, they were huge marble columns and intimidating. And if you didn't have collateral, if the bank, the bank wasn't interested in giving you money unless you had money first, which is kind of the, the issue we have with our current system, right? <laughs> A little um, self-defeating. Yeah. yeah. And, and the credit bureaus, again, I think that's another challenge just to say centralization has given us the credit bureaus, which we all knew, know have um, not done well with their power. Um, or been responsible with our credit files, if you will. I do think blockchain opens itself up to replacing this entire system, essentially, because we do not have to rely on gatekeepers. That's where I want to get these payment companies, um, these major banks, right? The, they're all gatekeepers of the payment networks, and they're all gatekeepers to your financial well-being, your financial ecosphere, if you will. And blockchain, again, the more I research, Mike, it looks like it just frees you from it, that you can build your own financial profile and frankly, asset base completely free from the current system. But again, I digress. There's risk, right? Exactly. Yeah. The asterisk there is with risk, with some risk, with a lot of risk. It all depends. Depends on where you put those cryptos. <laughs> it's also new too. It's like, you know, it's still a, a very much of a, a Cambrian explosion of like 
options and some of it's really shystery. Last note I'll make on um, decentralized finance. So, you know, payments, we're going to see how that's eventually going to shake itself out. And, and payments, like you said, is really the most direct competitor to the established finance ecosystem. When you talk about the Federal Reserve, the banks, the payment networks, Maestro, MasterCard, Visa, blah, 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 HSBC. Um payments is it'll be interesting to see how all that gets resolved but in the meantime yeah. you can get a nice return on your deposits you can get loans for cheaper rates um and then there's there's a whole world that isn't present to consumers in the world of finance and it has to do with how we execute international trade how businesses conduct business with you know suppliers and, and all the way down to wholesalers etc and so there's this whole behind the scenes operations of finance that will also be taken over or will have competition from decentralized finance. Um, letters of credit, trade credit. I mean, all of that stuff can be automated on the blockchain. It is. There are companies that are doing it right now in the DeFi space. So, you know, these the entire ex, the entire existing system has got competition now from central banks to big banks that are too big to fail, to little banks, all of it like has this entirely new alternative system for the first time in the world. And it'll be really interesting to see how everybody rises to this challenge because it's a, it's, it's a fair challenge. <laughs> and right. <laughs> and it's, it's ripe because uh, it's because the, and, and the fight is the old fight. PayPal is there, you know, providing the ability. They early on, they were allowing people to buy cryptocurrency. So if you're a PayPal user, you have the opportunity to use that service, I believe. And you can go in there and I think you can pay through PayPal. Now, I believe Venmo is also providing a crypto service where you can get your rewards and crypto. And so they're kind of bridging this gap in payments, Mike. It's, it's these non-traditional banks that are giving, hey, by the way, you can pay with the crypto. You're not technically paying with crypto. They'll convert it to the USD, right? But it's starting to bridge the gap. And soon, I think especially the younger consumers won't know the difference between crypto and our currencies, standard currencies. It'll be fascinating, especially because the access, the, the equalization to access, <laughs> all you need is a phone, <laughs> literally, um, for the most part. I, you only need a phone to access any of this stuff. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. And so all the Starlink satellites are going up and whether you, you know, whether, whether the world gets internet or not, you know, the world is getting phones for sure. <laughs> I digress. So I think we're going to leave decentralized finance. That was a nice, nice cover on it and send us any questions you have. Um, The only other thing uh, I want to bring up before we go to a break too is to close out this concept about centralized finance, kind of getting into the getting into the game. And it's if if you didn't feel like blockchain and anything built on blockchain had any legitimacy before, and then Coinbase went public, right on NYSE or Nasdaq or whatever, and then that added legitimacy, and you can see certain bumps in values associated with those things, and. One of the latest things that had happened was um, 
I don't remember the name of it now, but there's a crypto's future, a crypto future fund that you can purchase, you know, on, on the normal exchanges, normal exchanges. What's the word? Stock <laughs> investments. I don't even know now. <laughs> what do you call it? Go to your e-trade. It's available on New York stock exchange. I think you. you're looking for. Thank you. Yeah. NYSE, one of those guys. In any case, um, so now there's, you know, funds available that are trying to give people exposure uh, to the upside, potential upside of crypto without actually having to weed through the details, the research of knowing which ones to own, right? Which ones are scams, which ones are real deals, which ones are most likely going to increase in value because they're delivering a truly valuable service. So it's exciting because that's a whole different level of legitimacy. Now you've got these investment bankers on Wall Street that are getting paid to do investments in crypto. And you're going to see tons of money moving into crypto. So, you know, if you don't, if you didn't buy a piece of crypto when it was less than a dollar, you know, those are the ones, if if you're playing the lottery on crypto, you're looking for the cheap ones. Um, But you should also do it smartly. You can always still make money. I mean, look, if you bought, what if you bought Bitcoin at 40,000 and now it's at 60, 60 something, it may come back down, but you know, it's, it's crazy how volatile it is, but I just wanted to throw out there the idea that it, it is steadily increasing in legitimacy by the old system. They realize the threat, even the big bankers have changed their tones. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's here, it's the future. We said it before and that's, that's not changing. I think with that, Unless you have something to add, Ray, we can take a, do a little break. Time for a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. Fulfilling a dream where all possess an intrinsic love for self-rule that is reciprocated with free speech and equal justice under the law. Citizen Do Good values the promise of all the amendments to the Constitution, along with the original core documents. Taken together, they form a framework and an operating manual for the Republic that provides us with the means to change with the times. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day, a crypto day, a blockchain day, a metaverse maybe. We are the proud sponsor of Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in the Republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Please rate the podcast with five stars on iTunes through the app on the web or on your device. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Also, make sure you join our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get updates every couple of months on all of our antics, not just the podcast. While you're there, check out the shop, which has specialty merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution that helps us pay for production and for hosting. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. I know the world is changing. I know that the, 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 what we know as the universe is not going to be as it was. We're going to try to expand the universe, if you will. Um, I have witnessed the move that the metaverse is making, what do they call it? Meta, excuse me, uh, Zuckerberg, 
is out there uh, making his strategic move into the metaverse. And, and I'll say I support it because he's more attractive and personable in the metaverse from what I've seen of the renderings. So, but that, I think that's the big thing change, right? This, this new world where Mark has a personality um, is also going to render, you know, other things that we didn't expect like um, these non-fungible tokens or artwork, right? That we can purchase and keep for ourselves only in this metaverse next to Mark's personality. So uh, like, help me understand Mike, like what's it gonna look like? Oh, goodness gracious, I need to pull it together. Thank you for the comedic relief, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm going to go old school and be like, well, I, I feel like he's maybe never heard of AOL. <laughs> I think he never heard of America Online or CompuServe or any of those you know, old school walled gardens. Um, now, uh, Facebook made a name for itself, no pun intended, but because of the way it allowed people to interact um, and present information. And, you know, maybe there was a low bar to entry or easy on-ramp or something like that. But there isn't anything about the metaverse that has anything to do with Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I think he sees the writing on the wall. He sees if Facebook's going to survive, they already know youth um, Youth are not signing up for Facebook. So I think Facebook's going to be put on a pastor. Meta is going to be its attempt to create the new walled garden centralized connectivity forum where we're all the product, Right. Um, which is exactly the opposite of the ideals of blockchain and decentralization and all of that stuff, right? They, I won't say democracy. It's not, we'll talk more about it. I, it, I don't see anything democratic necessarily. Um, <laughs> I mean, there is, they, they do have voting and things like that. So we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But back to the metaverse. So the metaverse, Web 3.0, you may or may not have heard that phrase, but it's coming into its own. Um, web 2.0 is what we all live in today and operate on. Web 1.0 is dial-up and CompuServe and AOL. So now we're moving into Web 3.0, which is much more, you know, um, blockchain-oriented because the capabilities there are so different and it exists outside of like whatever the standard system is for assigning IP address, ICANN or whatever the name of it, the international group that's in charge of assigning IP address to URL names. So like facebook.com, right? Um, there's similar activity that's starting to grow. Like a, a there's an entity that is getting established that's going to help create nameable locations in the metaverse because right now <laughs> the metaverse is very electronic it's very digital ones and zero like i mean when you're trying to access things you have to have special browsers and you know it's like it, it it's tricky right now it's not very accessible so facebook's play will be to try and make it accessible like and then people will join meta the facebook meta and maybe they will think they're in the metaverse and, and they're not at all. <laughs> they're, they're in a very specific location in the world. <laughs> so for and, our, te our technical friends, they're trying to create a GUI, which was all AOL was. The AOL 
and I and I'm finally making more sense of it now. Yeah, AOL, all they did is they created a cover, an overlay, an environment for us to visit. Uh, and I was really, I was really, I mean, I guess I was just a kid, but I had no idea. I thought just clicking on those buttons and keywords were the internet. Like somebody had to tell me that you have to travel outside of to this mystical area with very interesting things. And that's the exact situation that we're in right now <laughs> with the metaverse, with NFTs, with all this blockchain stuff. Um, it's in this, it's kind of in this whole other ether of uh, virtual technology environments, right? It's, it is, it's very much its separate thing. And metaverse is coming into its own initially right now with games. Um, there's a lot of like, I can't remember some of the names like Axie Infinity is a very popular name right now. But there's, you know, games that you can go play and you can purchase armor or you can purchase a house or you can buy land. Like there's, there's a metaverse out there where they've replicated the earth and every plot of land on earth is available for sale. Um, and it's all controlled on the blockchain. The fact that metaverse is just this interactive space. It's like uh, World of Warcraft for the first time. It's just... You know, we always had video games and stuff like that, but we didn't have this immersive environment where everybody in the world can log on and go play together. That's the metaverse. So right now it's a video game or it's a Minecraft, right? I mean, that's honestly, that's the analog. If you go with like Second Life, which I guess a lot of people are talking about, right? This is the new Second Life. So now he, he, he obviously didn't see AOL or Second Life from Sony because it appears to be very similar. So what what makes them think that, or what makes us think that this is gonna work compared to those second life environments? Is it because we already have so much evaluation in the NFT market already and such? It's just, it's so big. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to the Cambrian explosion. Everything's getting thrown. All the spitballs are getting thrown at the wall and to st- who knows what's gonna stick. <laughs> so, I mean, as as a new crypto investor, I'm reluctant to purchase coins associated with these metaverses game systems because they don't play the games um the point the coin is more valuable if i was going to play the game and i wanted to buy things if i want to buy armor land whatever then it would be materially more valuable because i'm not plugged into the game i don't i don't have a sense of the value of the coin associated with or the token so from an investment standpoint, you could, you can go buy that stuff. But um, if you don't go spend that coin in the metaverse for which it was built, then I, I don't know if it's really an investment per se, but that's the financial side of it. What's going to happen with these things is um, people are going to have an abundance of choice, just like every year or every couple of years, brand new video games get released by Microsoft versus Nintendo versus whoever. And they don't know which ones are always going to be the winners. This is what's happening in blockchain metaverse, right? Everybody's releasing their things. They're not sure who's going to get it right. Like who's going to get it right technically, business-wise, and then also supply a product or service that the universe needs. So there's just a lot of question marks right now um, and a lot of opportunity because basically Web Web 3.0 is reconstructing everything we've ever known electronically. Um, but building it on blockchains instead. And it's just, it's fascinating <laughs> to be witnessing all of this right now. Um, 
but what's going to happen? Like meta is going to go live. People will probably try it out or something like that, but it's going to have a lot of competition. Facebook has a lot of money. So, you know, if they create something really amazing and cool that people feel like they can't live without, then they may be successful. Um, if they find a way to get people addicted from the inside, then they might be successful. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I just don't know what value Facebook is going to be able to bring as a centralized monolithic organization run top down that the diversity, right, of these people creating all these other metaverses are going to bring to the table. I just, I'm skeptical. Does that make sense? The resources, right? That's all they have. There's no one else positioned well, be outside of the government, right? So the government itself, but uh, we don't know if we can trust the government to implement mm -hmm. something that big. No. Uh, the government itself is positioned to fund that, but but, but what I worry about is let's let's wade into the risk a little bit. One of the risks I feel from this all is is Mark taking the metaverse and 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 Jeff is taking the space. You know, is are they kind of going for their own regions? Are they trying to take the next next level uh, or the next economy? We we already yeah. spoke about economy to you know the new economy. And they're trying to say this is the new economy, and I think that's one of the problems we have, folks, is that the we the, the, these barons tycoons should not be leading us into the new economy. Um, they should just be part of it, but not not driving it right so succinctly. Participants, and and de and decentralization and blockchain enables us back you know backing away because they they're not they're timid you know elon has a very odd relationship with cryptocurrency so i would say they're it's still um they're not even sure about that game because i don't th even think they have control of it like they would like to no and until we've solved the energy problem all blockchain and crypto could be gone tomorrow <laughs> yeah. i mean computers in general that would be a problem um, but you can still mint gold, whatever you do to make gold valuable as a coin, right? Like, so the, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But yes, I, I think that these, these new barons, these new tycoons are staking their claims, um, trying to stake their claims to what's next and using their war chests to try and like beat back any competition. So It'll be interesting because, yeah, you look at Bezos, I mean, really Tesla or SpaceX, I mean, they're the ones who have gone the farthest so far. But ultimately, the end game, especially, I think, for Blue Origin and for SpaceX and maybe not Virgin Galactic, is moving all the polluting stuff off the Earth, right? Going and doing all the mining. They, they want to own the companies that built the mines on the asteroids and all that stuff. So that'll be... That'll be interesting, but that's not here. What's here is metaverse. And it's because probably because the climate's going to suck and it'll be very ready player one where nobody really wants to live their real life. <laughs> if, if we can't get the donut economy and all the other stuff implemented, right? Maybe life will suck so bad. The only thing we want to do is escape into meta. Ah, sorry, I don't mean to go there. Let's move on. Um, Non-fungible tokens, you know, these are a component of all of these things. So I was talking about met these metaverses and you can own things, right? Well, 
the reason why you can own that piece of armor and you're the only one who owns that piece of armor, even though it only exists in the digital world, is because of non-fungible tokens, these NFTs. NFTs are, are basically unique addresses on a blockchain. They can't be duplicated, can't be copied. And if something you, somebody tries to do something to it, it all breaks, right? It's the immutability of a blockchain, but it's used to create a, you know, a, a unique item. You know, it's even more so than getting a card printed with a unique number on you know, a limited edition of a toy. It might be the same, but I think it's more materially. You could you could reprint that card, right? Well, you pass it I mean, off. The buyer but not beware. In the blockchain. Sorry, right, the buyer. I'm sorry, the buyer beware on blockchain though. If you lose the address, oh yeah, it's gone. It's you, gone. you technically don't control it anymore. If you just lose the address, just for yeah, just lose it. Lose your key. <laughs> you lose the key. There's no locksmith that can help you. <sighs> So they're using it for all kinds of things. NFTs are, you know, being used to produce art that gets bought and sold. Music is coming online. Um, it's going to free music from these monolithic corporations. And one of the beauties there, like when you talk about the arts, you talk about art, music, blah, blah, blah. It, a creator has created something and they're going to get paid for doing it by offering an NFT associated with that song or piece of art or whatever it is and then somebody can buy it and they get a cut of the price they get a percentage and it's coded in the blockchain it's a contract right it's a smart contract on the ethereum on blockchain or something like it that says also every time this thing gets resold in the future that artist still gets cut every time so you know you buy that lovely piece of art that you love even though it's only digital and you get tired of it or it goes up in value and you come across an investor who wants it and they're willing to pay the price you want to sell it for and you sell it a percentage automatically still goes back to the artist that originally created every time that happens because that's how it's programmed in the chain in the blockchain so it's um there's a very very compelling reason for people in the real world to want to move to nft for artistic creative pursuits right because today a musician doesn't necessarily own their music <laughs> right they only get paid if they do a concert they don't get paid on you know the purchases of the cds or you know itunes etc cds wow we don't even do that anymore hopefully that makes sense so these nfts are a component because this is what allows you to buy and sell trade things in a metaverse or not even in a metaverse <laughs> you can just go to an exchange and buy art or music doesn't I mean, have to we're be. already mm -hmm. sorry I, I, we're already doing it anyone that does is plays minecraft creates and if, if you craft something in these environments and then you trade it or you trade up and you use these mini economies we're technically already participating in it I, it's, it's strange to me michaels i think of about it anytime you're playing a game that has an economy system economic system in it trade and barter etc world of warcraft had it they all had it um it, it makes complete sense to me though what we're trying to do is now make this all real you know it, it, it's almost like casino games that you play on your phone could potentially give you real money in the future right it'd be safe enough 
that you could do technically real gambling essentially through this level of blockchain and they would be able to validate you're an adult right that's the big problem the casino companies can't make sure an adult's using that phone right but maybe there'd be that level of encryption security through this blockchain network and you know it really takes out the middleman which is the government saying you can't use your phone for gambling or you can't you have to walk into a casino and have secondhand smoke in your face. Yeah, it's going to there's there's so much disruption in all of our older industries, all of our old industries <laughs> that blockchain is going to present and this is just so far. This is like just the iterations people have created so far and it's pretty amazing and it's it just seems so much better. Um but not everything is as it seems. Ray, thank you for bringing up that point because it makes me think about our data, our personal data. I didn't include that in this discussion and I should have, um, but just to throw it out there real quick, there are some upstart, I don't know what you call them, blockchain companies that are looking at how to make us the owners of our own information. Right. Instead of having to give out your information to every website, every bank, every company that you do business with, you should just have a key. They get whatever they need for you to get what you need. And they don't have to store and lose your personal information or your identity. <laughs> Pretty amazing stuff. I, I hope that's there's a huge value proposition. There's a huge use case for potentially doing that. It's almost like a, you know, a credit bureau that works for your mm -hmm. interests on your behalf. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. There's no reason why your social security must be the qualifying, identifying information to find you in an account system. There's no reason. None of that has to be the, the banks, the institutions, all of these companies have chosen to make your personal information searchable and in a database a thousand times over in all of these systems, right? That this is a problem. And it, it's a weight on the system that's unneeded. It's you never mind the carbon footprint footprint from all of this Bitcoin. No one's talking about the carbon footprint from all these industries housing these mega databases. Mm -hmm. Duplicative databases. Ugh. How many times are we gotta replicate the same information? Anyway, I'll get off that soapbox, but I'm glad you hit that point so that I could that jogged my memory. <laughs> Thank you. So um I'm getting a little antsy on time. I think we're around 35 minutes. Last point here before we get to call to action is around decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs. So this is the area, one of the areas of risk. We'll talk about financial risk separately, but one of the areas of like ownership, operational risk, oversight risk is in these DAOs. So just briefly, a DAO typically is set up in this environment as the people or group that's charged with maintaining the system. All systems need to be maintained, including these blockchains. And when you're dealing with blockchains like that have smart contracts, Ethereum and others like it, there's even more maintenance because it's like, what, what features do we want to offer? What contracts are going to be available? You know, what, what kind of behaviors do we want our blockchain to offer services, etc. And so these DAOs, these decentralized autonomous organizations are the 
are the groups of individuals charged with coming up with those things and then voting on what they want to move forward. And then somebody builds the enhancement and gets implemented, et cetera, et cetera. The challenge here, it's a great idea um, because it's decentralizing the authority. So you don't have Mark Zuckerberg at the top. All decisions have to be approved there. There's nothing like that. It's a group of people and consensus has to occur through voting mechanisms. So that seems very democratic-ish in a way, right? When you talk about people coming together and they're all voting. The problem is how, how do you get the vote and how many votes do you get? Right now, that whole system is based on coinage or tokenage or whatever crypto, right? You own one or more of a given token and that gives you voting rights in this DAO. Well, that's not very egalitarian, right? Some of these coins are very expensive. Some are very cheap. And so if you really had a vested interest because you love this particular metaverse and you play in it all the time and you wanna see some of the rules of the game updated, so you wanna join a DAO so that you can help influence the rules of the game but you have to afford the coin to do it and so that barrier that becomes you know that becomes a hurdle or a barrier and that's very undemocratic right um, a little more aristocratic at that point right if only the wealthiest crypto holders are the ones who can participate in certain DAOs, it, that has a, kind of a slippery slope associated with it i think so we have to keep an eye on that that's it's going to be strange to see how that plays out Let's move into call, call, call on me, call to action. So we want you guys to get in. We want everyone, you guys, we want everyone who's interested to get into crypto um, and just make sure, you know, just so you can explore it and learn on your own through actually doing it, going through the motions, um, but don't play with money you need. Okay, this is not a savings account. It's not regulated. It's not FDIC insured. Um, you know, even the crypto exchanges, those are only loosely regulated. Um, but cryptos themselves are not at all. So you, you will see the footprint, footprint, footnotes, sorry. You will see the footnotes everywhere in blockchain land. Do your research, do your own research. Very, very important. Right. Or just don't use a lot of money, right? <laughs> Right. And the thing that highlights this risk is the recent squid coin that came out, which was a huge scam in the end. And, and frankly, some coins probably started out as a scam and they're just surprised they keep going. So they've just continued to sustain. But essentially, these coins have that inherent risk that the money that we put into it, right, we are converting our US dollars into these coins. And essentially, they can do the opposite, they can convert it and then walk with it. So um, that's a good example where the squid coin uh, did take advantage of quite a, a few people. Now, I just, uh, we're not sponsored by Coinbase, but I use Coinbase, and they did not allow me to purchase it. So they kind of protected me from it. So some organizations like Coinbase are trying to build uh, a reputation of creating a protectionary measure for reputation, although they take Doge, which caused them a lot of heat, right? Because that's supposed to be the biggest scam coin ever. So again, there is so much risk and there's so much um, volatility because of that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and it, it, it's not unique at all, right, to blockchain or crypto. What would the bad behavior, bad actors we see are the same across the universe, right? You've got um, Theranos, right? There was a recent example from a heavily regulated industry where somebody still bilked investors, right? But um, the law will apparently catch up with Elizabeth Holmes. Um, the law will not catch up with the squid people or person. Just the, the way everything works, it's, it's all anonymous, essentially. I mean, it's a very private, private set of systems. It's all numbers. It's all coded. So there's never any particular, there's no exact way to determine who owns any crypto or wallet. Um, Law enforcement is, is able to infer, they're able to connect dots and catch um, people who do things on the regular. So I don't know, AML, BSA, people who are doing money laundering and things like that, and they're using crypto to do it. They're like, they're leaving a lot of footprints across the blockchain. So they, they leave enough behind. They're doing it so often that our legal system is able to catch up with them. But in the case where you just file a white paper, you take everybody, oh, we're, we're launching a coin. Give me your money. The coin's going to be amazing. It's going to do amazing things. It's going to be the best coin ever. We only hire the best people. Come buy it. And then they close up shop, take all the money and leave. That's it. There's no recourse. So <laughs> you need to do your research and then also, you know, maybe wait a little while. <laughs> right. It is the wild, wild west to say the least again. In regards to this, but what an exciting time. And 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 you have to, there is sorry, you don't have to, we're not advising you of anything, but the suggestion from us would be that it I believe there's more risk in not doing it. Major institutions are suggesting that their clients put one percent of their portfolio. So that's a very conservative move, one percent of their portfolio in crypto. And so that means that that's happening. Facebook, although we make fun of Mr. Zucker that is a major move and a major signal that the metaverse that cryptocurrency and the blockchains that support all of this next generation environment is here to stay in some form or another there will be losers but there will be winners as well and and, and there could be money to be made uh for the pioneers supporting it if you will again again it's anyone's game um Nobody has the answers, which is the most exciting about this product, I think. Totally agree. And the trades are a lot cheaper, right? It's not $7 a trade. It's like, it can be fractions of a dollar or a dollar. Like it, anyway, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> well, I would, I would throw out that those of you that are happy with your uh, stock free trade, because the stock, you're seeing more apps offering these fee free, fee free trading of the stocks. There's competition from the crypto market out there. So I think you have to be thankful for that as well, because I'm shocked to see as many fee-free stock apps out there. So true. Yeah. I just noticed that the the subscription-based model or something. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. This has truly been another Tales from the Cryptocurrency. 
Oh, it's been something. That's for sure. Thank you so much. <laughs> for information on this and other episodes, head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up our contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and you have been for years. Thanks for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under a Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzly and Studios, Inc.